Dirk. And uh, thank Jan for filling in, being our pianist this morning, and uh, so grateful for our worship team here at Hope Church. would invite you to turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 15. Our sermon is going to be from Romans 15, 5 through 7, but let's begin reading with verse 1. That's on page 949 of our Pew Bibles, Romans 15, beginning with verse 1. Hear the word of God. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak. And not to please ourselves, let each of us please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Amen to this reading of God's holy and divinely inspired word. Uh, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, um, we praise you that you are the God who gives us hope, hope in Christ, hope of forgiveness of sins, hope of heaven hope of your peace and presence, Lord. Pray, Father, this morning um, that your Holy Spirit would be guiding, directing our, our study, and the proclamation of your word, Father, that you would be glorified, but that we would be growing in the grace of Christ, growing in our love for Jesus growing even in our love for one another. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. In 1516, Sir Thomas More wrote a notable book about a fictional island society. And he called that society, that ideal, imaginary society, society utopia. First known use of that word derived from the Greek. It was written originally in Latin, and no, I have not read it, neither in Latin nor English. I think it's available online. But Sir Thomas More speaks of utopia as an imaginary society uh, with an ideal form of government, no monasteries. No alehouses, as he calls them, no brothels, no shortages of goods, and no private property. Hear this quote. Nobody owns anything, but everyone is rich. For what greater wealth can there be than cheerfulness, peace of mind, 
and freedom from anxiety, end quote. A utopia was a place of peace, absence of wars, a place where there were what uh, Sir Thomas More called moderated pleasures. Uh, Many writers have jumped off from uh, Sir Sir Thomas More's book on utopia. They have uh, imagined an idyllic place, whether it's called Nirvana, Walden Pond, or Strawberry Fields Forever. You know, today we still use that, that word, Utopia, to describe a a wished-for place where where there is only happiness and harmony in in a hopeful society. I invite you to turn your Bibles to Romans 15. We do not find that word utopia, but here God's word speaks of of us as Christians, uh, those who are trusting in Christ, living together in gospel harmony, even here this side of heaven. God gives his church here a far greater, more gracious promise of living together in love. It's not an imaginary place, pie in the sky. God's word promises us this. You know, in Romans 15, 5 through 7, we can learn about God's holy plan for us as Christians to be living for the glory of God. As we look at these three short yet rich verses, we'll see that our glorious God graciously enables us as Christians to live in gospel harmony. Well, how can Christians live together in gospel harmony? You know, four biblical bullet points this morning. Uh, We'll see there's the source and supplication Third, a solidarity, and fourth, and finally, a savior of sinners. Uh, we begin with source there in uh, Romans fifteen five. You know, God is our source uh, of gospel harmony. You know, last Lord's Day, as you look at Romans fifteen, uh, we learned that Scripture graciously instructs every Christian about living that life that's pleasing to God. Now we learn about the gospel source of our strength to live together with every brother and sister in Christ. It starts with living that life, living pleasing to God, but one of the fruits, the blessings for us even here and now, living that life pleasing to God, is that we can live into that gospel harmony with one another. Again, verse 5, Romans 15. May the God of endurance and encouragement. You know, we, if you have a good memory, you go back to Romans 15.4, it speaks of scripture that give us endurance and, and encouragement. But here is the real source of our endurance and encouragement. It's in God himself. You know, because we know that God breathed out the enduring and encouraging words of Scripture. 2 Timothy 3, verse 16. Many of you know uh, this verse. All Scripture is breathed out by God 
and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. That was 2 Timothy three sixteen. You know, the God of endurance and, and encouragement, and he is the source, but one of the ways he encourages us, enables us to endure, is by giving us his word. You know, but God himself is the God of endurance and encouragement. Look at those words separately. You know, endurance, patient endurance. Charles Hodge said it's a steadfast endurance of suffering. Or another way of looking at it, God provides perseverance for us in our walk of faith. He's he's a God of endurance, enables us to endure. But he's as well the God of encouragement. You know, it's not just a slap on the back and attaboy, go get him. You know, God is a God of consolation and, and comfort in Christ. Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 instructs us here, 2 Corinthians 1, verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, the God of endurance and encouragement, the God of all comfort. You know, our sovereign God supplies all the endurance and the encouragement that every Christian needs so that we can live in gospel harmony with our fellow fellow believers. John Calvin put it this way, God alone is doubtless the author of patience and consolation, for he conveys both to our hearts by his spirit. And his word is the instrument. You know, remember that first part of Romans 15.5. I'm always hesitant to say if you forget everything else. But the God of endurance and encouragement, that'll carry you a long way on your walk of faith with Christ. You know, when you feel empty and exhausted, find it hard to get along with anybody. Maybe you're finding it hard even to get along with yourself. Remember that God is not only the source of gospel harmony, but he is the bottomless well of endurance and encouragement. You know, God is our source of gospel harmony. But secondly, we see that, you know, that, that word supplication. We don't see that word supplication, and even prayer is implied, but Christians must Pray for gospel harmony. You know, both both scriptural truths are true. You know, God is the source, and he supplies us, but we as Christians are called to pray. You know, go back to that first word of Romans 15.5, out of the English Standard Version, may. It's Paul's desire, his holy desire, his wish Some translations say, now may the God of all endurance and encouragement. Romans 15, 5 through 6 can rightly be considered a prayer. R.C. Sproul proposes that it's a benediction. Either way, it's God's blessing upon his people as they seek his face. 
The Apostle Paul here prays that his gracious God would empower the Christians in Rome to live in such harmony with one another. Now keep in mind where we are in our study of Romans. Romans 1 through 11 was saturated to overflowing with a glorious, gracious gospel doctrine. You know, and then beginning with chapter 12, you know, the, the application of these gospel truths to our day-to-day living. And even there in Romans chapter 14, verse 1, you know, uh, applying it here to the church at Rome, which seemed to have struggles. There was conflict in, in the church at Rome, divisions. You know, and we would think, well, if any church would have it all together after all they've been taught about the gospel, it would be the church at Rome. But no, there, there, there's troubles there. And so he is praying for gospel harmony in this conflicted church. Now, Paul prays that the Jewish believers, converts, and the Gentile believers would get along as stronger and weaker brothers. They would be enabled to live together as a family of faith in Christ, that they would be a fellowship of believers, a a building of God, Not, not just a physical church building, but that believers would be that beautiful building that God himself would inhabit. And so the Apostle Paul here prays, may God grant you, and that you there is plural, may God grant you as a church, as a, as a fellowship of believers, may the Lord give you all the longing to live together by the love of Christ. You know, there's always that temptation, and maybe you've experienced in, in the walk of faith, Uh, I'll do better living by myself. You know, I I can't find a church family that I can fit in. I'll just stay home. You know, worship here or worship out in the deer stand or out in the fishing boat or out in the garden. You know, and and here it's Paul's prayer, you know, that, that there would be gospel harmony, you know, peace of Christ there. Harmony. What, what's harmony? I, again, thank Dirk for playing the notes. You know, but, but harmony means we are like-minded. You know, there, it's not a rigid uniformity. You, you have to believe these 10,000 things uh, about scripture, doctrine, to get along. You know, it's not a cookie-cutter Christianity in this church, nor should there be in any church. You know, it's a beautiful, biblical blending of believers who live by the grace of God and Christ. Just, you know, think again. You know, here in your mind, you know, Dirk playing the individual notes, all beautiful, but then the chord. You know, and, and that's what happens as we gather together as a church family and worship and work and witness. You know, there, there's a harmony, you know, of Christians who live by the grace of Christ for the glory of God. You know, harmony. We have a high view of Scripture. We believe Scripture 
is the word of God, inspired and errant infallible. We believe that we are sinners saved by grace through faith in Christ, that it's God who saves us. We don't save ourselves. You know, we believe that we are to pursue God's peace together. You know, hear this, Colossians 3, verse 12 and following, Colossians 3, verse 12. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And now verse 14, and above all these put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. You know, it's that love of Christ, you know, that binds us together. You know, what's the opposite of harmony? Discord, divisiveness, you know, cacophony. You know, as Christians, we must persevere in praying for gospel harmony. Yes, it's a, it's a gospel fact. You know, but, but here, Scripture reminds us that we are to be praying for it as well. Supplications. You know, we live in harmony by the... You know, look there at the last part of Romans 15.5 in accord with Christ Jesus, in accord with Christ Jesus. You know, remember chapter 15, verse 3, for Christ did not please himself. You know, we, our, our lives are to be patterned after Christ. He's more than a model of mercy, but at the very least, that's part of the gospel truth here. But Christ is not only the pattern, you know, in not pleasing himself, but it's by the power of Christ, you know, that we can live together in gospel harmony. And and look at that title for Christ. In accord with Christ Jesus. You know, if you read through the book of Romans, 16 chapters, it takes you a little bit at least an hour and a half, two hours, if you were to do it all in one sitting. I think the more manageable way is just to take it four chapters at a time. Take a breather, have a cup of coffee, take a walk, and then come back. But that, that title for Christ, Christ Jesus, is used 15 times in, in Romans. And each one is important, but I'll, I'll give you one example. Romans 8. Verse 34, Romans 8, verse 34. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. You know, why that title, Christ Jesus? Why not Jesus Christ or Lord Jesus Christ? Well, Christ you know, reminds us that that Jesus is the Messiah, you know, the promised one, God's promised redeemer. It, It teaches us about Christ's deity. He is truly God. 
Jesus reminds us of Jesus' humanity, his humble birth, his holy life, his sacrificial death for our sins on the cross. You know, only the gracious love of Christ Jesus um, can enable us as Christians to live in harmony with one another and, and with God himself who loves us in Christ. You know, Dr. John Fesco helps us with his commentary on this verse. A little bit longer, a few sentences here, but uh, listen. Paul knew the importance and power of prayer, and so, as these verses indicate, he prayed for God's intercession regarding the church's lack of unity. He relied not on his ability to persuade, but on Christ's power to save and transform the church. Last sentence. The ultimate goal of Paul's prayer is that God would conform the Roman Christians to the image of Christ. You know, that's his prayer. You know, just the Lord has been you know, impressing, even after 30 years of pastoral ministry, you know, the, the, the vital importance of prayer. Individual prayer, family prayers, praying as a couple, praying as a church. You know, Jason, a few Sundays ago, preached a, a, a great sermon on the Lord's Prayer on Wednesday night, 645. That's a shameless plug. Um, Bible study, and we've been studying about prayer, and then praying together. There, there is much to be said about coming together as a church, a body of believers to pray. You know, been last Wednesday we looked at prayer in the Book of Acts in the early church. How prayer marked that early church. You know, and even as we pray. You know, we praise God. Lord, we praise you that you are the God of endurance and encouragement, the God who gives us hope in Christ. You know, but then we bring our petitions to God. You know, Lord, may we live together in in gospel harmony by your grace and for your glory. You know, now Romans 15, verse 6, the third truth here. There's a solidarity. So we begin with a source. God is our source of gospel harmony. Second, supplication. Christians must pray for gospel harmony. Now solidarity. Christians gladly glorify God together. Here, Romans 15, 6 again, that together you, and that you is plural, you may with one voice Glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, in order that, for this purpose, that together, you know, that that word together is only used, you know, in Paul's writings, scriptural writings right here in Romans chapter 15, verse 5. You know, with one mind, one accord, you know, that, that word together, though, one accord is used in Acts. You know, we, we looked at it last Wednesday, Acts chapter 1, verse 14. Acts 1, verse 14. 
all these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. All 11 disciples were gathered together. Remember, Judas had betrayed Christ, took his own life. They were looking for another apostle. And so what did they do? Looking for God's wisdom, God's guidance, they gathered for prayer. Women, apostles, Jesus' brothers, Jesus' half-brothers. So they gathered with family, family who was trusting in Christ. So Romans 15.6, that together you may with one mouth, that's a literal translation, one voice, you know, again, think, think of music, and, and here my knowledge is quite limited. But think of the beautiful sound of, of a church choir as they sing together, or our worship team, you know, as they sing together. You know, the voice is blending. And here, a, a side note, going to go to Medlin here. Everyone should be singing when we gather together. And you may be thinking, uh, you know, I've got a crummy voice. No one wants to hear me sing. Wrong. Lord wants to hear you sing. He's pleased. And um, not that you have to sing loudly, loudly, but uh, sing. And your voice joins with the other voices here. You know, that you may together with one voice. You know, make that glorious, God-honoring sound. Make a joyful noise, is what Scripture tells us unto the Lord. That you may with one mouth, one voice, glorify God. That word for glorify is the word from which we get the word doxology that we sing here. And glorify God, present tense. You might keep on glorifying God. You might glorify God when you're gathered together as God's people on the Lord's Day, but then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you might be glorifying God. And why do we give God the glory? He is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, every follower of Christ faithfully joins with other Christians to exalt God's holy name, to praise him for his steadfast love that endures forever. And we give God the glory that is rightly due unto him for his grace to us in Christ. We praise God that he is the God of endurance and encouragement, that he is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I'll confess to you, that's a mystery. You know, we could go talk a long time, do a lot of Bible study on that phrase, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he is God. God the Father. Even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, even the second person of the Trinity. You know, William Lenski put it this way, helping us to understand that phrase, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
He writes, the God with whom our whole salvation in Christ is bound up. You know, that, that's, that's what we should grab a hold of there, you know, with this gospel proclamation. You can see that, that title for God used elsewhere, just to give you one other scriptural example. And again, it's from the Apostle Paul, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Ephesians 1, verse 3, Blessed be, or praise be, to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he, that is God the Father, chose us in him, that's the Lord Jesus Christ, even as he chose us in him, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. You know, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, solidarity. You know, we're, we're, we're praising, glorifying God with one heart, one voice, one purpose. Uh, that he might indeed be glorified. You, you might ask, why must there be gospel solidarity, you know, for Christians to glorify God together? And again, to, to help us, Douglas Moo had these helpful words in his commentary. Only when the Roman community, or we could say the Roman church, is united, only when Christians in Rome can act with one accord and speak with one voice, will they be able to glorify God in a way that he deserves to be glorified. You know, what gospel fruits then will Christians bear or display as we glorify God together? What's God's purpose in in solidarity? You know, two purposes. You know, first, gospel worship. You know, gospel worship that glorifies God, gives glory to God, and praises the completed work of Christ on the cross. You know, we, we join together on the Lord's Day with one heart, one voice, one purpose, you know, to worship God, to, to glorify him. We, we lay any petty differences, small disagreements aside, you know, with, with our eyes fixed on Jesus. You know, but the second fruit is this, a, a gospel witness by Christ's church. You know, as we worship the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ with one voice. You know, there's a a psalm, I'd forgotten about it, but it, it fits in. But I'll just read one verse, Psalm 133, verse 1. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. Brothers, sisters in Christ. Behold how good and pleasant it is when believers dwell together in in unity. You know, unity is such a rare commodity today. You know, political parties, even the same political parties, disagree vehemently. You know, we've seen that, that great hostile disagreement even here in the United States of America. You know, and here God's word 
teaches us that, that we as Christians, we as this church, have the opportunity to be a gospel witness. You know, as we live together in gospel harmony, not that we're without sins, not that we can't ever differ, disagree about different matters, you know, but, but our sin-weary world needs it. We need it. You know, they, we need gospel worship. We, we, we gather together as the Lord's people on the Lord's day. We lay other things aside and praise the Lord for his grace, his goodness to us in Christ. And, but it's a witness to one another. You know, it's a witness here in Opelousas, St. Landry Parish, you know, in a watching world. You know, that Christians gladly glorify God together. Last one, Romans 15. You know, what, how can we live together in gospel harmony remembering Jesus, the Savior of sinners? You know, source, God is our source of gospel harmony. Secondly, supplication, Christians must pray for gospel harmony. Third, Solidarity, Christians gladly glorify God together. But finally, Savior of sinners, Christians welcome one another as Christ welcomed us. Romans 15, verse 7, therefore, and you, many of you know, you ask the question, what is it therefore? It, it, it's a summary word. It, it it reminds us of everything that has come before it and all of Romans. You know, but if you go back to, to Romans 14, verse 1, you know, we're going to see the word welcome again. Romans 14, 1, as for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. And now we're coming to the end of, of God's gospel guidance regarding living together in gospel harmony. You know, therefore, you know, what's the gospel impact of this gospel harmony? Welcome one another. Lest you take that lightly, you know, that it actually is a command. Keep on welcoming. You know, it's a, a command given to the whole church. You all keep on welcoming one another. You know, what does it mean to welcome? You know, I still miss our greeting time. Still, you can pray with us when we can go back to shaking hands, hugging, without fear, anxiety. You know, what does it mean to welcome? It means we receive them. We accept them in in Christian love. Gladly receive them. F.F. Bruce put it this way, take your fellow Christians into your hearts as well as your home. You know, it's not just lip service. We're going through the motions. You know, when you welcome them, it's a a sincere, God-honoring, God-glorifying welcome. Into your heart, but it's great to invite folks over for a coffee, cake, dinner, 
welcome one another. You know, keep in mind, you know, God's word is saying the strong ought to welcome the weak. The weak ought to welcome the strong. The Jewish believer should welcome the Gentile believers and vice versa. Welcome one another. And lest we think we can, you know, get off the hook, shake the hook here, look at the last part of verse 7. Just as Christ welcomed you. Think of that hymn, you know, that we, we, we have sung already, just to hit a few of the highlights. How did Christ welcome us? We could almost say Christ inspired this hymn. You know, it was Christ himself who said, Come, ye sinners, poor and wretched, weak and wounded, sick and sore. Come, ye needy. Come ye weary and heavy laden, bruised and broken by the fall. And then this line, not the righteous, not the righteous sinners, Jesus came to call. You know, who did Jesus welcome? He welcomed sinners who needed to hear of God's grace in Christ. You know, think of all the poor, wretched, weak, wounded, needy, weary, heavy laden, broken sinners that Jesus welcomed. You know, read through the Gospels. That's a good thing to do. And on these days leading up to Resurrection Sunday, give you a sampling, scriptural sampling. Jesus welcomed an adulterous woman, lepers, the demon-possessed, the blind, beggars, children, tax collectors, Pharisees, Nicodemus. You know, he healed them. He gave them gospel hope of forgiveness of sins. He laid down his life for them in love on the cross. Why? All for the glory of God. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. You know, it's not so that you can feel good about yourself, pat yourself on the back, or, but for the glory of God. No, holy harmony. They're, they're worshiping together, witnessing, you know, but they're, they're walking together. Um, you know, quick account, you know, the, the first day, you know, after my surgery back on February 4th, the nurses encouraged me to begin walking, and I began to walk just because I was glad to get out of bed. I was tired of laying on my back. So I painfully pulled myself out of bed, and yes, I had one of those hospital gowns, and so one of the nurses put one behind me, so I was semi-modest. You know, had to grab my IV pole, other medical equipment, you know, stood up and began to take the first steps. You know, three things enabled me to begin, you know, walking towards God's healing. One, your faithful prayers for me. I've told you this. Lynn and I knew you were praying for us. Secondly, my resolve to get stronger and go home. I'm glad you took care of me, but I'm glad to go home. You know, but third, you know, the especially grateful for the patient, you know, support of my loving wife. Stayed there with me. 
you know, for those three days. And as I began to walk, you've got your IV pulled, and I won't go into detail, but there was other medical baggage so I could walk. And uh, guess who carried the other medical stuff? You know, but to me, it's, it's a picture. We, we are walking together. I could only take small baby steps. Len took small baby steps, but walking together. You know, growing stronger. You know, we, you know, we are called to live together, to walk together, to worship together, to witness together in, in gospel harmony. You know, by God's grace and for God's glory. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for the gospel. Lord, thank you that you have called us as sinners, called us out of darkness into light. You are the one who has welcomed us, embraced us with your grace. Lord, and uh, pray that that grace would Enable us, empower us to walk together as brothers, sisters in Christ here in this church and all churches that proclaim the name of Christ. Lord, we, we pray that, that it would be a witness to a, a watching, sin-weary world. All to your glory and praise, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.